everyone welcome to the next episode of coffee talk by Colstack, when we talk greatest and latest in react and react native news uh we have some important news from vercel uh announced just last week so in order to help me do that i will invite my co-host here to the stage uh, kuba urban how are you hi hi it's great to be here i'm doing great i'm doing great it's a great weather outside some great update updates coming up so i should i should say let's get started yeah let's do that so like i said uh big updates from vercel and apart from that we have some two smaller uh news from broader react and react native communities um i know that you know because we prepared this episode and <laughs> we have some yep. notes last yep. week uh, the Vercel, the company behind Next.js framework, announced some new things. So let's start from Next.js. Next.js is at its 13.4 version, and it has some amazing new cap capabilities there. First mm -hmm. of all, App Router is stable now. It came out of beta, and it is considered stable and if you are creating the Next.js project right now, it is recommended that you use React Router. Uh, sorry, the app router from Next.js. Exactly. What a relief for all developers to see that it's stable. There's no better word for developer than stable. <laughs> yeah. And uh, the app router was um, Next.js way of creating remix layouts. I guess it's quite similar. And mm -hmm. this is not the last um, mention of Remix that I'm going to do this in this episode because they stole something else from Remix as well. And those are server actions. So previously, if you want to mutate your data on server, you'd have to create an API route and call that API directly in order to do something there. Right now, what you can do with this uh, server actions addition is that you can, in your server component, create a function, an async function, that calls some server action directly. It has to be a synchronous action, but it's still pretty magical what you can do with this. So you can mutate mm -hmm. your data directly. And maybe if you have, have some, for example, database, you can operate on that as well. Yep. So that's pretty cool. Pretty cool. It actually simplifies the workflow quite a lot, I, I would say. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm really I'm really glad that Vercel is actually looking into developers experience as a serious thing and they're actually like updating their stuff regarding what people like not just, you know, behaving like a big company and doing stuff that only they think are, are useful. They're actually listening to the community, which is great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I guess uh, I've read somewhere, I don't know if it's true because I'm not a PHP developer, but that that is directly influenced by the style that you used to write in PHP and like Ruby on Rails and stuff like that. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, if we have any PHP or Ruby on Rails developers watching this, you can drop a comment, say if this is actually true or not. Um, I would rather not check that. I I'm staying away from PHP as far as I can. But, you know, there are some people who actually like this stuff. So go ahead and do this. Yeah. Summarizing, in your server components right now, uh, you can have a function that calls your uh, server actions directly. Awesome. Uh, going forward, the third thing that is announced in Next.js 13.4 is another promotion. So we had a promotion for uh, app router from beta to stable, and the turbo pack is uh, beta now from alpha, I guess. Uh, we had a coffee talk episode with Zach Jackson, who is a maintainer of Webpack. Mm -hmm. And we were talking about TurboPack there extensively. So I will make sure to put that discussion in the show notes so that you can uh, learn more what the TurboPack is all about. Yeah, go ahead and check it out. Yeah, I think that wraps up our Next.js 13.4 uh, part mm -hmm. of the announcements from Vercel. But there's more. Yeah, there's way more. There's, there's stuff that Vercel did that nobody... Nobody expected in the world. No, I'm just kidding. Maybe people <laughs> expected that, but uh, it's it's pretty, I think, groundbreaking for for Vercel as a cloud provider. And uh, yeah, I think we should talk about it a little more. Um, so why why don't we just start with um, databases, Vercel databases? Uh, so basically, Vercel introduced a blob file storage, which is known, for example, from um, places like Amazon uh, storage buckets like S3, for example. And uh, right now, this file storage is in private beta, but you can still uh, go ahead and check this out and try it for yourself as a developer and play around and see if you like it. Uh, obviously, if if you are a, an experienced developer, you know what blob file storage is. But for those of you who don't know that, basically, it allows you to store files like you know images, PDFs, um, CSS and other unstructured data. Uh, so you can you can go ahead and play around with it. It's really easy to use it. You basically stream your files to, to the storage. You attach uh, some key value to it so that you can later on pull it out from the storage. And that's it. Simple as that. The, the SDK that Vercel provides for React is very, very simple. Yeah. And no longer you have to like set up your buckets yourself and then maintain the connection, stuff like that. Uh, you just import this um, blob file storage from from Next.js and you just use it. Awesome. Yeah, simple as that. So yeah, go ahead and give it a try. Uh, all of a sudden, you have more options than just Amazon storage. So it's great. It's great this way. Um, yeah, uh, Lukas, would you like to, to introduce another type of, of uh, database that Vercel introduced. Actually, I think we we need to like uh, lean into the topic some more. So you were talking about the uh, oh, yeah. uh, blob um, file storage, but the main announcement there is they actually announced three different uh, ways to store your data uh, on mm -hmm. that. So Vercel databases, I, I think like the the whole section is called. So first one is blob that we already discussed, and we have two additional ones. Uh, that is true. 
The Got second it. one is the key value uh, database, which mm -hmm. uses Redis under the hood. And this is no SQL database. Basically, you provide a key and a value to save data, and you need a key to retrieve that data. Uh, what I've heard about this is that this is blazingly fast. Like this yeah. database is really, really fast. That's the main advantage of it. Mm -hmm. And so that's one. And the second one is the Postgres uh, SQL database that you can also like import and use directly from your uh, client, sorry, from, from your code base, right? From your React code base. Yeah, exactly. And it uh, pairs really nicely with server actions apparently. Uh, yeah. Again, this is this is that concept that you were talking about previously that was stolen from from Remix. Uh, that basically you can you can see in this implementation from Vercel and also yeah, this is a SQL database. So basically, Vercel introduced three types, right? File storage, NoSQL database, and SQL database. So everything you need is just given to you on a plate. You just have to grab it from the from their SDK put it in yeah. your code and start working with it. And what I really like is that they provided us three options at the same time. There is mm -hmm. no like, okay, so right now you have the SQL database and everyone would like start using it, migrate maybe some stuff to, to use it. And then two months uh, later, they would announce, okay, so now you can use the key value databases as well. No, they yeah. provided three uh, options up front and you can pick and choose whatever uh, suits you best for the your specific use case right yeah exactly many many companies like this would would just say why would we introduce all three of them i mean this is a this is a little bit risky from the point of view of the provider right because you introduce three services that can either be great or or just fail fail at the same time but i suppose they had tested it well enough that uh, they are you know they are couraged to, to just show it to us and give it for us to play with. And it's all in a, in a beta version right now. They, they are still giving you access so that you can test it and maybe give your feedback back to them. Um, but still, it's it's right there, out there to play with it. So yeah, I think this is a round of applause for Vercel. Yeah, why not? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> for the... For the sureness of the solution, I guess what can give you some mm, some confidence there is that they partner with like really established companies in the database field. So the Postgres SQL they partnered with Neon for the key value. Uh, Redis SQL they partnered with Appstash, and for the Blob, they have partnered with someone, but I don't have that in my notes. That is true. That is true, but. Yeah, I still believe that their partnerships are are just well established, and they trust their providers. So, uh, we we should go ahead with this and just trust them in that too. Yeah. Okay. Moving on from databases. So we discussed mm -hmm. Next.js thirteen point four. We discussed uh, the da three databases that they provide uh, that they are providing us with from now on. Uh, let's move on to code spaces, and this is something that I don't understand completely yet. Uh, mm -hmm. From the looks of it, it looks like some other similar propositions from like GitHub or VS Code or I don't know, StackBlitz, I think. Uh, so I think that's in that neighborhood of functionality. Mm -hmm. But what I really liked uh, about the 
keynotes that talk about this was two things. So first of all, I saw so amazing, amazing demo uh, of the direct edit, edit, directly editing your CMS data from your website UI. Oh yeah, that looks like thing. magic. It looks like Notion, and apparently it works. So yeah. that's an amazing idea to allow marketers and like content creators to just edit things on the fly. All mm -hmm. of a sudden, you don't have to m maybe make new mockups for your developers. Maybe you can just see uh, for yourself how is your new input looks for like mobile or web or or, or anything like that, right? You can yeah. directly um, mutate your data. Awesome. Yeah, exactly. And this is this is quite crazy. I mean, if you look at this from the perspective of a company that might be using this, you you all of a sudden you don't have this kind of a marketing team and developers team conflict and constant exchange of what do we need? What can we provide? Because we don't have time for this because we got clients to work with. And all of a sudden marketing team can just take things into their own hands, just edit stuff by their own. And then also what I think was also uh, announced in, within this uh, feature is that you can, you can put these editable CMS parts within the developer code so they can live together on the same page. Yet the CMS part is editable by people from the outside, like marketing people, and developers can still work on their own parts of code that is more complex, like let's say some features that are not editable by a marketing team, right? Mm -hmm. So this yeah. is crazy. I can imagine smaller companies that don't have this many employees around that this is going to be just game changer for them, you know, saving so much time, so much money. Well, yeah, like the whole code spaces idea is to allow collaboration, right? Yeah. And actually, like the, the, the next point I want to make something that stood out to me in, in that is when you are collaborating on huge project, you want to make sure that your changes are validated and verified and like code reviewed by mm -hmm. someone who knows their stuff, who knows that business area, who knows that piece of code. Uh, yeah. So they've introduced the code owners basically. So mm -hmm. it works like when you change some file, then you need an approval from owner of that piece of functionality. Mm -hmm. Like uh, in like Bitbucket in GitHub, you can assign someone to check your code. I mm -hmm. guess that happens automatically in the code spaces now. Yeah, from, from what I understand, you can basically write some rules saying that, okay, this piece of code that this that has, let's say, let's give an example. So let's imagine we have a piece of code that is handling payments, right? We are using... Uh, some some payments library there and we are implementing some new way of paying, right? This is highly risky action. So we would like somebody from security team to have a look at this, whether we are not introducing any vulnerabilities. And yeah. this way, you, get, you basically get an automatic notification for the whole security group people that, hey, guys, I need your review here because I, I did some changes regarding payments and uh, this needs to be approved by you. Uh, so, you know, you can avoid, uh, let's say, junior developers forgetting who to mark on their pull requests. That yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. And yeah. this way, this way, it's just way safer, way more uh, 
again, collaborative because you don't need to think about it. It is automated, right? It is automated. So like you don't have to know your whole organization and you don't have to know uh, who to reach for the code review. It happens automatically. Exactly. Exactly. It's a it's a great way to just save some time, save some uh, brain resources. You don't need to think about this. This is great. Okay. Uh, for some other like code spaces related uh, updates, just refer to the show notes. We're gonna direct you to to the blog post from Vercel uh, talking about this. Yeah. And I think the last update that they had is something that. Even less that code spaces, I understand, and this is security. Yeah. They've introduced yeah. a bunch of security measures that improve just the security of your like connection or mm-hmm. of your firewall, stuff like that. Yeah, I mean, there are basically two biggest things regarding this, which is called, one is Versal Secure Compute, which is what you just said, the private connections within your um, API and clients or API and database connections. This is all private network now. So you can just, you, you don't have to expose it to the, to the outer world. And the second one is Versal firewall, uh, that is implementing DDoS mitigation and API blocking, uh, sorry, not API, IP blocking, um, which is something that mostly enterprise projects will be interested in. But if you are a security freak, you can just go ahead and have a look, play around with it. Yeah. Um, I think that concludes our Vercel Next.js update. Uh, mm-hmm. Like I said, the, the biggest update that we have for you this week. But we have two more things to talk about. And let's maybe start from React Thingy. And React Thingy is React Canary Channel. So yeah. previously, React had some experimental features that they were working on uh, within Meta, right? And within Meta, uh, they might have gave access to some of those experimental features to some internal teams. That teams were using maybe that feature, maybe they were consulting on it, giving some mm, comments, stuff like that. Uh, But what the React team wants to do is to maybe democratize the process just a little bit and maybe to give some stability for some of the experimental features that they feel are ready enough to show to the world and to use in the world, but they're not ready yet to give it to us in a stable release. Like, I think the stable releases of React, they come out like every maybe year and a half, something like that. Mm-hmm. I don't know, but like, that's a hot take, but not, not often, not often enough. Mm-hmm. So, for example, if you are Vercel or you are Remix and you want to use server components, guess what? Those are not included in the stable release yet. <laughs> but somehow, the uh, Next.js uh, 14, uh, 13.4 actually uses them, like under yeah. the hood. How is that possible? Yeah, we know now. They probably used to use the experimental release channel. And mm-hmm. right now... <clears throat> they are using the Canary uh, release channel. So the promise there is that things that have already stable-ish API that don't uh, anticipate any breaking changes Mm -hmm. and those will land in that Canary channel. 
and yep. you can pin your React version to that Canary channel, uh, to that Canary channel version, and just be sure that you can use server components in your like framework or in your code base, uh, stuff like that. So I think that's yeah. great. Yeah, it, it is really cool. I mean, especially when you are building a framework like Vercel does, right? So if, if your project is a framework, you want to have an access to some features that are not yet in a stable version of React, but you want to introduce them in your framework already, right? So this is a great way to get some, just a little bit more, uh, more, how do you say that? A little bit more sureness that React will support this. If if you will find any bugs, they will react. <laughs> React will react to this. Yeah, and they will act like this is a stable version. I mean, act like it is a stable version. So they will take your feedback. They will try to act on this as soon as possible. Not like with experimental, where you have to take into account that well, this is experimental. It might break, and we don't have time to work on this yet. Right. Yeah, so, actually, that's the promise. That's the promise with Canary. That uh, exactly. for experimental features, you are left on your own, basically. And for the Canary features, you might expect um, those features to be A, stable, and B, mm -hmm. uh, getting the fixes. Yep. And also, um, Meta or React team is, is giving us a promise that any breaking change that will go into the Canary version will be also described under... Uh, corresponding blog post, right? So you can you can read about it as soon as it's as it's released. You don't have to uh, follow uh, change log pull requests just to get to know that they are released. You can you can just follow their blog and and get to know everything you need. And yeah. um, also, I have one information for those of you who might be already panicking, like, oh my god, what is gonna happen to like versioning and stuff like that. Uh, well, you don't have to be worried because as always, React is uh, continuing to follow Semver for every stable release. It's not changing. This is just an extra release channel is like below that. So don't worry. Yeah. Okay. That wraps up the React Canary channel. And for the last, um, for the last update in this mm -hmm. episode, we have React Native Mac OS 071. Uh, I admit this is a few weeks old now, uh, but it's quite interesting, and I want right. to discuss this. So okay, hold on, what happened? What happened to zero sixty nine and zero yeah. seven? Like, <laughs> where are they? Good catch. So is it like is it like what what happened to iPhone ten and I, iPhone nine? Like, where is iPhone nine? Why why there is iPhone ten? Right? They skipped the version, <laughs> and they are doing the same thing. Like Apple is setting trends out there. Yeah, and Microsoft is following because. Uh, Microsoft is actually maintaining the React Native macOS. Mm -hmm. So that's one. And Microsoft, this time around, on this version of uh, React Native macOS, they collaborated with Meta a lot because Messenger from Facebook, from Meta, on macOS is React Native. It's React Native macOS. It's not uh, like... React Native embedded in some web view and how do you call it uh, in uh, in Electron app? Yeah, this yes. is React Native macOS. Yeah, it's so native experience, right? They provided a lot of help to Microsoft team, and Microsoft team uh, the React Native macOS was always like uh, two three versions behind the main React Native release, and I'm really glad that they decided to change that. They decided to spend some time. They decided to get some help and 
get behind the 071 React native release. So that's mm -hmm. great. They had to skip, like you say, they had to skip two versions to get there. But yeah, that's yeah, what you we have are to now. What you have to do, right? Um, and also, this is they're using the the new architecture. Uh, it's experimental for Mac OS, and I yeah. guess we also have an episode uh, with with Lorenzo who is describing to us how this is done in Microsoft and and um, and I think we can also link that episode so everybody interested. Yeah, like I had an interview with Lorenzo mm -hmm. about a year ago, maybe nine months ago, and on in that episode he was describing how. Microsoft is doing React Native. So what's yeah. going on there? How many repositories they have? Uh, what utilities they use? And we briefly discussed the macOS, the React Native macOS and React Native Windows repositories as well. So yeah, mm -hmm. go check that. And that concludes our episode. Thank you so much, Kuba, yeah. for joining me, uh, for being my guest, my co-host in this Coffee Talk episode. Hope to yeah, see you around sometime. <laughs> Cheers, mate. Have a good yeah. day. Bye.